Recorded live. Hello. Hey. How are you? Hello. Hello. Sorry, I was having technical difficulty dialing into this number. It was a little different, huh? It had the little, you are recorded. Welcome to talk to you. Right. Good stuff. Good stuff. Well, you all made it in. This is different for me as well. I was just like, wow, this is uh, a first Cassandra, so it's recording us as we speak, which is fine. We're just going to edit it I'll out. Just put this in the bloopers. Yeah, we'll put right. it in the bloopers to uh, have that there. So we'll, we'll get started here. Is Mitsu on the line? Not yet. Okay. Not quite yet. It so. could be your moment. You could sing a little karaoke or something. <laughs> no, I don't want to hurt you Go all. Ears. all right. I don't, don't, don't want to hurt the ears. No, but I, I'll, uh, I'll try to carry a tune every now and then, but I'm not a singer. Not at all. <laughs> You're a dancer. 
Oh, really? I is saw that, that at that meeting. So. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah, I guess I let my little facial hair down a little bit that day. That's right. That's good. That's good. So, good. So the way we're going to do it, and Mitsu will be on here soon, um, we'll just kind of have this buffer time, and then I'll wait about 10 seconds, and I'll start with the intro to the podcast. And uh, I'll just talk about how excited I am to have you guys on board today and, and specifically what we're going to cover throughout this month, September, and then the focus of our, our uh, podcast and our time together. So um, from there, I'll welcome you all. It'll be three folks. We'll have like a roundtable discussion. Let everybody know that, you know, who you all are and, and what we're going to be doing. And then I'll dive into the questions. and. Hopefully, we can wrap up in about 25 minutes, 25 to 30 minutes. shouldn't take that long, but we'll see. Cool. Yeah. This should be interesting. This this is very clever, the way you guys have been doing these podcasts. Yeah, it's fun stuff. It's fun stuff. If there weren't any technical issues, it would be better, but, you know, know. It's, it's fun. It's a good learning experience and um, just you know, I think it's fruitful. I, I look forward to hearing some of the feedback from mentors that are actually listening to it and how it's actually helping them. We have to assess that so we can improve. Yeah, see if people are actually better. listening at all. Yeah, yeah. At um, least from chatter, it seems like people are getting on board with it. Is that right? Okay. I didn't capture that. So. You're probably better at perusing chatter than I am, Margaret. I look at the chatter feed that comes in, you know, the summary and like yeah. look for any key issues and then I'm done. I like <laughs> I like that stuff. I I used to get in there more, but but you joined me in my rabbit hole. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so many never be the same again. <laughs> All right. Mitsu, are you there? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Beautiful. Hey. Beautiful. I was just giving you instructions, Mitsu. Sorry. Well, it's, <laughs> it's rude because it kept saying, if, I don't know, and then suddenly, I don't know, you had to push one that you're not some kind of talking shoe member or something. I got so confused. I don't know. It was weird. You have to be really smart to even dial in. So it's probably not going to work. <laughs> uh, it's crazy. So good stuff. I'm glad you guys made it. Um, we'll go ahead and dive in. Uh, Cynthia Strickland is trying to get my attention. Let me let her know I'm on with you guys. And then we'll get started with senior leaders. So, Mitsu, what I was sharing, just so you kind of know what's going to go on, is we are being recorded right now, um, but the way we normally do the podcast is we'll kind of have small talk at the beginning. Um, I'll pause for about 10 seconds, and then I'll go into sort of the introduction of the podcast and talk to everyone about what are we going to be covering. And for you all that we're doing a roundtable discussion, and I'll introduce you all. You all will be able to say hello. And 
and uh, we'll just sort of dive right into the question. Should, shouldn't take us more than 25 minutes to get through it all, but hopefully, I know me, I'll try to keep it very organic, but I do have those list of questions that you guys saw in the, in the invite, so that'll be our content that we're covering, okay? Sounds good. All right, beautiful. So let's uh, pause here. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Greatness Begins Here. I am Kevin Hall, and I am excited about today's episode. We actually have a roundtable discussion with none other than Becky Johnston, Margaret Simonez, and Mitsu Phillips, some of our senior leadership here on our mentoring team. I'm excited to talk to them because, as you all know, for the month of September, we are focusing in on lessons that have been learned from failure things about being resilient, and have, how do you kind of bounce back after you lose a student, and how do you turn those experiences and those lessons into future opportunities. So you all are in for a treat. I definitely want to take time today and, and uh, let everybody say hello. So Becky, Margaret, Mitsu, welcome to the podcast today. Thank you. Thanks. All right. So Thanks. for those who do not know, uh, who we're talking to, let's just take a second and introduce specifically what who you all are, what you do for our mentoring team. If you don't know who these folks are, we're going to check your pulse. Maybe you're a new mentor or something, but they bring a lot to the table, and I don't want to just start having a conversation and you all don't know exactly who these folks are. So let's introduce everyone. Becky, I'll, I'll start with you. Sure. So my name's Becky Johnston. I have been at WGU for six years now, and currently I'm working as the Director of Mentoring over Health Professions from Nursing College, General Education, and Teachers College, and it's been a delight. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for all you do. Margaret, can you introduce yourself for everyone? Definitely. Margaret Simonis, and I've been at WGU for almost seven years and um, in various roles, but currently I'm the director for business and IT mentoring. Wonderful. Awesome. And then last but not least, we have Mitsu Phillips. Mitsu, hello. Hi. How's it going? Well. I'm uh, good. I, I work as the associate provost of mentoring. I think most importantly, you know, my my role is to help support our mentors and our faculty um, and ultimately help our students to graduate. So I've been with WG for almost eight years, and uh, it's been it's been a blast. Terrific. Awesome. So there you have it, team. We have two directors for mentoring and our associate provost. A ton of experience and background uh, and perspective that they're going to bring to the table. So once again, excited to uh, move forward and get into the conversation today. So... Here's what, what I'd like to do, uh, Mitsu, Becky, and Margaret, just talking a little bit about our focus here for the month of September. Again, we're really trying to highlight some of the lessons that uh, we've learned from failure. We want our mentors to really think about that failure is really just information. And the question is, you know, what do you do with that information? How do you begin to grow from those times when things don't go just as you might have expected? So that that's sort of the framework 
that we're really focusing in on this month. And specifically for you all and this this podcast, this session, we want to look at just sort of your experience. Um, and, and I know you all have had experience with students both as a, in mentoring and in leadership. So we're interested to know, like, the concept is one thing, but what have you all done personally in your own experience? So I guess I'll kind of start off with this first question, and we can just sort of talk through it all and, and see where we end up in the, uh, in, in the show today. So here's, here's what we have. The first question I want to know, and I'm sure everyone is curious here, uh, as far as losing a student, what has the experience of losing a student taught you about the importance of, of mentoring and your role as a mentor? So if you can think about a time you lost a student. What I can answer that, I think, it? Kevin. Yep. What's that, Mitsu? I, I said I can answer that, I think, if you don't mind. Okay. Yeah, jump in, for sure. Sure. So I think, um, you know, one, one thing really sticks out for me in my mind when working with students, I think there's a student in particular that I think that I actually lost, I kind of lost my way in supporting the student. You know, I think when you're giving your full self to a student week after week or multiple times per week, and at some point you realize that you're actually more vested in their college education than they might be, it can be, it can be tricky. It can be challenging. I think that's where, you know, the true mentoring sets in, the selflessness sets in, and, and the, you know, the drive to help others sort of rejuvenate their their passion for achieving their goals comes into play. But I definitely know that one of the challenges of mentoring uh, is that sometimes it's hard to keep your motivation up yourself, right? You're working hard to motivate others, and sometimes you'll lose your own motivation. And so one particular instance for me, you know, I frankly lost the fire when trying to support my students. And ultimately, she she ended up giving up, and because I wasn't strong enough to help support her, uh, she ended up withdrawing. And, you know, after I had some time to reflect on perhaps where there were opportunities or how we could retain her, I realized that, you know, my approach had changed over time, that I think I became a bit lethargic in my mentoring to her. And frankly, I could have I could have hung on a little bit longer. And because I could tell she wasn't vested, it made it hard for me to stay vested. So I think there's some learning opportunities all the way around, but it's also okay to admit sometimes that, you know, you're not your best self when you're mentoring. And, and sometimes you give up a little bit um, too. Yeah, that's that's so important, the idea of, of self-care and your own motivation and how being mindful that you as a mentor becoming lethargic has some serious implications, right, <laughs> as far as your student success. So I don't know, uh, Becky, Margaret, have you all experienced anything along those lines where you had to, maybe you were dealing with a student and then when you start to introspect, you realize that you were kind of off personally in your own game as a mentor? Definitely. Absolutely. That's easy, I think, to have happen if you're not really mindful about it. And the other thing I think about with the importance is that it can be easy when the relationship with the student is easy to build, right? And because I think a lot of us are here and attracted to the mentoring profession because we do want to help others and we get a lot of satisfaction from that. And the tough thing can be when 
it's tougher to build that relationship. And so I, I think sometimes it's it can be a little bit easier to kind of push back a bit. And it's it's so important to find ways, even if there's not a lot of common ground or maybe the student isn't as receptive to the mentoring relationship, to meet that student where they are and figure out some way to connect. Um, it's When I think back to some of the my own students that I had and dropped, um, there were a couple situations where I don't think we ever really connected, and there's efforts that I could have done differently, you know, reflecting on it to at least, you know, maybe make a difference there. That's important. It's interesting you bring up connection. For me personally, it's one of the things I love about what we do in the mentoring world is making that connection. I think that's that transformative space. Um, I, I know coming from a traditional background of being, you know, a teacher in the front of the class that's giving out all this information, and if you get time with them on the side, good luck, right? Odds are that probably won't happen in a traditional Setting, but we have such a phenomenal opportunity here to really make those connections. And, and sometimes that can be the difference between, you know, whether or not a student is going to withdraw or hang in there and kind of exhibit that resilience. So I'm curious, what, what ways did you all, or whether it's not just with, you know, students, but even with, you know, you all being leaders, how do you look at connection? And what are some maybe some nuts and bolts, tangible ways that you would use to connect with your students or the folks that are on your team? Sure. I, I'll talk about that a little bit. I I agree that that connection is vital in our workplace with each other as colleagues to be successful and also with our students. And I think it starts with genuine listening and concern for the other person, being able to actually show that interest in them and, and feel that interest. I, I think you can fake it till you make it a little bit, but you do need to, to get to the point where you you genuinely are interested in someone and you're listening to them and you're asking about them and you're concerned about what what concerns them. I, I know that as a mentor, um, I did have a student who ended up dropping, who I think I, I really could have helped more had I had a stronger connection with that student and had I really understood the the issues that the student was going to, through, just how impactful they were to the student. Things that seemed little to me were quite impactful to this student. But I didn't I didn't have the connection. I didn't listen well enough and really engage well enough. And I and I feel like if I had given a little better listening, a little better attention, that would have helped with that connection dramatically. Yeah. Most indeed, most indeed, because it's an interesting space we have, right, as mentors, that we want to connect, but we want to make sure that we don't become the student's newest buddy as well, right? So it's that we talk about that tension between, you know, sort of being parental and a peer and not exclusively either one, right? So it's Mm -hmm. an integrative approach that we take, and so sometimes we have to challenge them in those areas of, resilience and grit. And so I'd be interested to know, and I know Mitsu, you, you have a ton of uh, passion about this as well, but, but what, do, what do you think as far as the mentoring team, what can we do to really begin to foster that resilience 
and that grit and the space of connection that we have with, with our students. And we want to kind of challenge them. But we know, and we've been talking about this at length, that resilience and grit goes a long way towards student success. What are some specific things you think we can do as mentors to help foster that between our students? Well, so I'm kind of a, I said this before, I'm a pretty firm believer that it's really challenging to be able to lead anyone, lead a student, lead um, lead a mentor, lead, lead in any type of business without really understanding your product. And, and your product can be a variety of different things. Your product could be the course, it could be the program, it could be the learning resource, it could be the landscape of your student's reality. There's a lot of different things that come into play with the product. But it's it's nearly impossible to really be able to coach or mentor or support anyone through any challenge if you haven't actually done it before or if you aren't very vested in learning how to do it so that you can you can see someone through it. So with grit and, and tenacity, you're committed and driven to achieve something or finish something. And our mentors are positioned to be able to give really clear milestones and goals and a sort of achievement um, achievement banners, right? Where you, you throw yeah. up these banners for them to go through at these at these moments in time. But you know, oftentimes, and I think we've all done it we aren't 100% certain. We aren't really understanding. We're not truly inside the course or the product enough to be able to articulate the specifics. There's a, a big difference between reading two chapters and, you know, finishing chapter one and immediately starting chapter two because the two chapters tie into one another. And if you, if you don't do them on the same day, you're, you're likely going to miss the synthesis between the two. You know, there's these really important things inside each of these courses, each inside of each each of these milestones. And so I just I feel like this isn't just in school though, right? It's it's everywhere you go. If someone's asking you how to lose weight, you can't say stop eating or eat less carbs. You, you actually have to to understand the balance of a meal and how that meal plays into your day to day and when you when you do cardio during the day, right? There are these things that connect to the larger picture. And I think those are really important if we're going to motivate anyone. Most indeed. Most indeed. Those are important points. Now, I know that there's someone who's listening and they're hearing you, Mitsu, talk about, you know, having that commit, committed, like, drive to, you know, complete the task. And as mentors, we set up these these benchmarks and these these banners for our students to reach. We talked about connecting and I know, Becky, you talk a lot about that genuine listening and making that connection in that space. And, and Margaret, you, you talk a, a lot about just meeting that student where they are. With, with all that being said, and there are people who have sort of heard this and maybe have taken those approaches, what would you all say to people who are hearing all these things that we're talking about, and despite all of their best efforts, the student still chooses to withdraw what would you say is the most important sort of mindset for the mentor when they've done all they, they know how to do and yet the st student still leaves or decides to drop? What's important for the mentor as far as the mindset in that scenario? Mm -hmm. 
Kevin, I mentioned this I mentioned this once before when I was talking to Cassandra, but I think, you know, this is really what we train for. This is what this is what we train for every single day. So in the marathon of mentoring, it's moments like this where where we're pulling out all the stops. This is when it gets good. This is this is what we this is why we're here, right? So right. as long as we can say at the end of the day that we we burnt it out at the end, right? We wrapped every we we pushed every weight, we did every rep, we worked really hard all the way up until the end and ultimately the student chose to make the decision to leave. We didn't leave anything on the table. We can be okay with that. And I think the answer to your question is sit in the pocket of, of, of sadness for a little bit, right? That's in anything that you do. You internalize first and you, you think about the failures that you have. If we're honest with ourselves, which we should be, we think about how that student leaving impacts our key performance indicators um, because that's, that's part of where the, the concern lies is not only did we lose a student, we broke a promise, but also it impacts our outcome. So it's okay to sit there for a little bit and dwell. And then, and then you have to come out of that spot because nothing good happens there, right? We, nothing good happens in the internalization stage. It usually is where you beat yourself up and you feel pretty lousy. And it's okay to sit there for a little bit, but then you come out of that. And you should come out of it with at least one thing that you can reflect on and carry it with you. But if you've left everything on the, you know, you've, you've given everything, there's nothing left inside this opportunity with this student, you should be able to come out feeling okay about what you did. We're not, we're never going to be perfect. We just need to be as great as we can be in that moment. Most indeed. What are your thoughts on that, Becky? What do you think? Done everything I, I know how to do. <laughs> I would agree with that, and and it's interesting we're talking about resilience of students a lot this month, and I think there needs to be resilience with our mentors, right? I, I, I have a few things when I want to be a resilient person and when I try to foster that in others, I, I feel like it's important to take care of yourself as a mentor. I think you need to be positive. I think a positive outlook goes a long way for our mentors, for our students. If we can help them have that positive outlook, it, it goes very far. And we have to see things and challenges as things that are challenges, but they're not insurmountable challenges. They're doable challenges, and that includes when a student leaves, let's let's reflect, let's learn, and let's take some action to move forward, right? What can we move forward on now? How can we learn from that and take some decisive action to make it better? for the next student, the next experience. And that really builds resilience for us as mentors because instead of sticking, as Mitsu said, in that reflective space, we move forward and say, here's some action I can take. Here's something decisive I can do. And that helps us to grow as well. And that's what we really need to be doing is growing in our ability to really mentor people. This is a a tremendous opportunity we have to help students. So how can we keep growing in that? Yeah, this is so good. You know, I, I think back, Mitsu, with what you were saying, and, and Margaret, I'm, I'm interested in your thoughts on this as well, but but Mitsu was talking about this idea of sitting in that pocket of sadness, right? I think it's I think it's interesting. It actually reminds me of something I read a few days ago where we all know about caterpillars and butterflies and how that whole deal works, but the interesting thing about the transformation process is that once the caterpillar gets into the cocoon, it literally sits in what what some scientists call a soup, 
it's kind of everything just kind of mushes together. It's like if you were ever ever to dissect it, right? It would just be this mush of of what is that, right? Like, but something happens while they're sitting in that soup. Like at a certain point, what ends up happening is cells begin to gel together, and we begin to witness the formation of a brand new, you know, beautiful butterfly that's going to go to heights that the caterpillar could only dream of, right? So as far as just that idea of sitting in that pocket of sadness and being reflective, Margaret, tell me your thoughts on on that. And as far as your experience, both as a leader and as a mentor, how important has that been for you in dealing with what we would call failure? Definitely. So I think, you know, there's certainly times where as a mentor, we've exhausted all efforts. And I agree with what Mitsu and Becky said. It is important to reflect, but if you stay there too long and dwell in it, it doesn't do a whole lot of good, right? Especially once the student has stated, I'm withdrawing, and they do so, um, they might come back, but we, we need to move on and think about, you know, what are the lessons learned and how can we apply it? So I think there's a balance there between I'm a big believer in, you know, exhaust all efforts, but no, none of us can possibly know every single strategy, no matter how long we've been here. There's always something new to learn. So that mindset I think is so important coming out of it of at that moment, you may have truly exhausted everything you know how to do, but you also want to be receptive to what can I do differently the next time and and take that time, like it was mentioned, to reflect, but truly with the mindset of I can do it differently. Because I think even having been here seven years, I know I'm always learning something new. And the awesome thing is we have so many colleagues to get ideas from. Right. And so thinking about that I think is really critical um, the other component I think is is up front. I always think about the early things we can do, and especially reflecting on my own experience, where I feel like I fell short were moments when I didn't set the stage as well as I could have up front for the relationship with the student and what to expect in the program and all of those things. And so that first impression is just incredibly important. And the time to make an impact is way before a student says, I'm withdrawing. So that, that to me, is just a, a critical piece to be mindful yeah. of. This is all good stuff. I mean, I know uh, Mitsu talked about the idea of product training um, and, and product understanding, knowing what it is that, I mean, it really could be the difference that I've seen it in my experience as a mentor where students will unnecessarily struggle with something that if I had just understood the process a bit better, it would have made all the difference in the world. God forbid that that actually leads to student wanting to drop. And I know it happens, um, just kind of builds on itself. But product training, important. Becky, you talk about, you know, just being present, taking care of yourself, making sure you have a, a positive attitude and, and learning from it so you'll be better for the next student. And then this proactive piece, Margaret, that you're lifting up. So being proactive versus being reactive and kind of setting that stage. All of those kind of lead to my next question because my next question, I, I want you all to help some of us who are listening 
um, and just what you would say, just maybe broad strokes or holistically to both student and course mentors who might be listening, that when it comes to withdrawal, what would be, as leaders, you would say, your challenge to us as a mentoring team? I mean, just sort of that, where would you push us? I mean, I know product training and being present, and you talked about being proactive. Is there anything else that you guys might add, just as a broad stroke approach to withdrawals that we should be mindful of as mentors? I I have something. (laughs) I think we should really be proactive. Mitsu mentioned some athletic metaphors. I always taught in soccer the best uh, defense is a good offense. And so we were always pushing the offense, and and we should be doing that with our mentoring too. It's it's a little late when they've gone inactive and we're chasing them. Where we really need to focus is early engagement and helping them early on have connections with us, have connections with others in support, helping them early on make progress towards goals because that progress towards goals builds their resiliency and builds their grit and helping them early on um, understand that the challenges that they are going to face, that they will face in their programs and in their personal world, those are not insurmountable, and we will deal with those together and and plan that ahead. But it has to be proactive. It has to be early engagement. We really should be doing that, that offensive maneuvering rather than the defensive maneuvering. Yeah. Most indeed. I love that. I'm a basketball guy, so that definitely resonates well with me. We love um, teams that play good offense, and if you can do that, it really uh, will help you cut down on the stress that comes on the back end, you know, just that proactive approach and and that early engagement. I think the early engagement piece and making sure we're checking for progress uh, sort of gives us those specific nuts and bolts to what we can do um, as mentors to really sort of prevent, be preventative in our approach. Uh, but sometimes, even though we might prevent all we can, we may be as proactive and present, and we know that the course, the product knowledge is there. Um, and, and even though that happens and it's all in place, students still withdraw. I think that's what a lot of mentors would confess just in their own experience. Students might still withdraw. But we have a goal you know, as a university. We have a focus that we're after. And in this new fiscal year, I know we're looking at some specific things, but I mean, what would you all say sort of as we wrap up with this this last question I have? And once again, thank you all for the time you're spending with us today on the podcast. But just as a university, what do you all think is the best approach? How would you say we need to go about towards achieving our goal from where we currently are so we had a great fiscal year, 15. We're in a, a new fiscal year now. But how do you all see us progressing as far as our goals this year as a university, um, just holistically? What would you say to that? I think it can get overwhelming to some, to think about the numbers and to think about, you know, gosh, I you know, I've had a great year and how do I improve even more? That that can feel overwhelming, I think, both for individuals and thinking about it as the university. But if we think about it in terms of what we have control over, so regardless of our role here, student mentor, course mentor, 
we have a caseload of students we're working with, how can we do more with those students who are not contacting us? And and this goes for both course mentors and student mentors because, sure, student mentors have a robust protocol, but there's those students who are very apt to to be there and maybe even contact the student mentor pretty proactively between calls, right? Um, but what can we do further for those who, who aren't even reaching out that a lot of times are the ones that need the most help? And think about what's in our control with that population. And I think if we're doing those things to help them be successful and and get our own product knowledge and find new and, and different ways of getting those students engaged in their coursework, that, that we're going to make an impact naturally in the numbers, and we will see an improvement. Yeah, so you're saying focus on the process, that it's robust, that it's healthy, that it's engaging, and the outcomes will take care of themselves. Is that kind of what you're saying, Margaret? Uh, yeah, I, I really believe that. I think we have to keep our mind on it. We have to have goals. But at the same time, if we if we truly keep the majority of our focus day-to-day on the parts we can each control, that we're going to get there. Definitely, most indeed. Well, this I think a couple been, things, Kevin. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Mitsu. No, no. We have a couple more minutes I, here, yeah. I would just say a couple things. Um, first, I think um, it's it's really about personal. It's it's a personal item, right? I think you show up every day better than you were yesterday, and yeah. it's natural to come to work and view it as a job. It's also natural to come to work and phone your 9 o'clock appointment and your 9.30 appointment and your 9.45 perhaps and and get through your day, we will get better if we are intentional. We will get better if we show up better every day, ourselves personally, if we are better people every day. Um, so, So I think that's really number one. And then I think number two we we look at it as a individual opportunities, right? So we have this year and we have these goals and every interaction we have ultimately creates the outcome. But let's, let's make sure that we stay in the individual opportunities, maximize each one of them, um, do our best in each one of the opportunities, and ultimately the outcome will be success. Just got to slow down a little bit, make every make every moment count. Definitely. Well, I wanna I wanna thank you all again. Um, you know, this is a great space, a great conversation to have. Brene Brown says that if if you're brave enough, often enough, you will fail. <laughs> and I love that because it just helps us understand that failure actually ends up being a part, a necessary part of the the story that that we're we're writing here and so for all of us that are a part of the mentoring world we all as uh margaret had said earlier we all are here because we want to help we want to be impactful and transformative in what we're doing and do everything we can to keep this from becoming just another job right and so um, i know you all have seen so much and experienced a ton and your perspective is valuable. I want to thank you again for your time. And I do look forward to to meeting with you all again on the podcast. But for those of you that are listening, that's our time for today. I want to remind you, like, when you're going out there and you're impacting and engaging with your students, make sure you understand your product. Make sure 
that you are clear about the process. Take the time to make sure you show up and be present. Make sure you understand you got to take care of yourself and have that positive, optimistic approach. And then lastly and most importantly, and this ties back to what Mitsu was saying, let's do everything we can to, what I like to say, kill the monsters while they're babies, right? Let's be proactive. Let's make sure that we do what we can and understand that even in spite of all that, you might still fail. But if you're brave enough, often enough, it's just a necessary part of the game. So hopefully that was helpful. Thanks again, Margaret. Thanks, Becky. Thanks, Mitsu, for your time. And for those of you who are listening to Greatness Begins here, I want to say to you, go out and be great. And we'll talk to you next time. Take care. All right. That's our time, ladies. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks. Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, appreciate you all. All right, you guys, I know y'all got other stuff to do, so we'll talk. We'll get this out to you soon. Thank you. Sounds good. Okay. Right. Take care. Bye-bye.